Welcome to the No Fear podcast of First Presbyterian Church. My name is Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, Texas, with your No Fear Word of the Day. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio, Texas, here with Alex Solorio and Alex Clary. That's right, one Bob, two Alexes, and 30 minutes of theology. So we are talking about social media today. We are talking about this because a couple of weeks ago, as we were having conversation before we started the last podcast, Alex Clary brought up a movie that I believe you had recently seen, a documentary that you just felt like was necessary, required viewing. It's called The Social Dilemma. Right. It's about uh, about social media and the way it affects and shapes us. And so, Alex, go ahead and give us an overview of The Social Dilemma, and then we're just going to start talking about it, because I'll go ahead and say I watched this movie last night, and I have got eight pages of handwritten notes. And at the very top of my notes, I wrote, I have my notes written on a pad so that they can't be hacked. <laughs> uh, so I, obviously it, it put the fear of God in me. So Alex, tell us about The Social Dilemma. Yeah, so The Social Dilemma is a documentary that uh, that came on Netflix this year, premiered in 2020, uh, about a few months ago. It is about the way that our social media in the world today impacts us and how we think, how we react, and how we feel. Now, there are plenty of resources about this. Uh, you know, this was not the first documentary to be produced about the power of social media. However, this one was very different because it was not just from the perspective of concerned filmmakers or concerned parents. But this was really spearheaded by people who are from Silicon Valley in California. And it is from people who were either at the very beginning stages of these massive social media companies that we know today. Uh, Facebook, Google, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, any social media company that you can think of or maybe even download it on your phone. The... The really brains of these companies were interviewed and were very key in producing this documentary. And it's all about how these social media companies have created themselves. They've shaped themselves. They have made their product into collecting as much data on us as possible. Um, So, for example, one of the big contributors to this documentary is the person who created the endless scroll feature on social media. So there was a time where if you scroll through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, you would get to the end of your feed and they'd say something to the effect of, hey, you're all caught up. What they realized is if you can keep your eyes on your screen, that's more advertisers. That's more ads you can put. And now if you were to open up your Facebook app right now, you will never get to the bottom of your feed. You can mm. scroll. You can plug your phone into an out to a wall charger. You can put the phone on the table and for 30 minutes just move your finger from the bottom to the top of your screen, and it will never stop. There will always be something. And this documentary spends a lot of time talking about how 
we get into our echo chambers, we get into our bubbles where my Facebook feed, so for example, if Solorio and I had the exact same friends, Mm -hmm. we knew the exact same people, and our Facebook pages looked exactly the same in terms of what pages we liked, in terms of the friends we had, in terms of the locations we had set, um, our Facebook feeds would look very different from each other because Facebook isn't making our feeds just off of the information we put in. What Facebook's going to do is they're going to see the news article I click on. And let's say I click on San Antonio schools are doing a hybrid learning environment, for example. I may click on that uh, article. Solorio may not. He may skip right through it. That's right, because I don't care about education. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) That's not true. I'm sorry. (laughs) But But that Hello Kitty feed right there. Right, right. right. (laughs) Uh, Sports Center, right? (laughs) And so what will happen is the algorithm will build off of, well, if Clary clicked this ad, but Solorio clicked this this ad, we're going to assume that they agree with them, and they're going to slowly build this idea of we're going to create a digital – person that is alex clary so if he clicks on sports if he clicks on politics if he clicks on the economy fashion right fashion world history what can happen is these companies can build this quote-unquote profile of me which by the way we all agree to when we accept the terms and conditions for all these websites this isn't they're not being sneaky we willingly give this to them when we sign up for these companies um they build these profiles of us and then they turn around and they sell it And they sell it to these advertising companies. They sell it to these people who are trying to push their product. And one of the big taglines of this documentary is, if you're not paying for a product, you are the product. Mm. In the sense of, you don't have to pay to use Google. They give it for free. However, when you sign up for a Gmail account, you are then saying, I consent to Google to create this profile of me Mm -hmm. that Google can then turn around and sell. Google is not a search engine company. Google is not an internet company. Google is an advertising company. And so... Long story short, The Social Dilemma is all about how unaware we as a culture and a society are of the influence that phones and social media has on our elections, on our mental health, on our engagement with other human beings. And I strongly recommend it to anybody who has ever wondered about their interaction with social media or their cell phone devices. So one of the things that that you just said is that – that this is all about advertising, mm. and and what is fascinating to me, you, you picked up on a line that I, I wrote down as soon as I heard it, which is that if you aren't paying for the product, because everybody looks at these products right. like Facebook, Google, YouTube, all these things, they look at them as free services. Mm-hmm. But the quote from the movie, like you just said, is that if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. And what several people in the, the movie said was that the the product that they are selling, not selling to to us, the consumer, the, but the product they are selling is the is the product the, the thing they're selling to the advertiser is quote the slight change in your perception and behavior. Mm. In other words, they are they are selling their ability to influence a number of people toward an advertiser's products or services or concepts or position or something like that and uh and i think that's that's amazing it uses algorithms that is Mm -hmm. complex formula systems all that sort of thing to predict your behavior to predict how you are going to move and what can move you and so i think that that's that's incredible there's a there's a new expression out there an academic uh term 
and the term is surveillance capitalism. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is to be able to predict human behavior. One of the uh, scholars in the movie called it trading in human futures. This is this is what I believe the crowd is going to do. This is what I believe this person is going to do, and I want to sell you that so that you can sell something to them. Yeah, um, it is. It is. It really is sort of a staggering thing. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Al. One of one of my favorite things. It's in the description on Netflix. It's in all the reviews that you read online about the social dilemma, and it's kind of like one of the taglines that go along with the movie, along with the "If you don't pay for a service, you are." The product is uh, these are not like mistakes or bugs within these websites. These are the features like this is not like some (laughs) accident that these companies have just stumbled upon. Uh, They weren't like being reactive to this where this information was brought to them and then they decided what to do with it. They are actively doing this, which is why a lot of the people who are featured on this documentary are people who were working at these companies that have now stepped away. They are now part of ethics organizations and human rights organizations where they're saying, hey, we don't need to make any mistakes. They're purposely doing this, and we need to be aware of the implications. And I think that's what was so scary for me is it wasn't, oh, this is just an accident that we're still, you know, we're trying to control. No, no, no. This is why these companies exist. It's, It's not just for connection. It's not just for information. They wake up every morning with the sole purpose of how can we make more money. Well, okay, so so let me just throw out a couple of names. This movie was directed by Jeff Orlowski, and it was released by Netflix in early September 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex had mentioned that. One of the, the featured uh, people, I think I would hesitate to call him the star of the movie because it's a docudrama, but... Uh, sort of the featured speaker is a guy named Tristan Harris, who was formerly a design ethicist at Google, which I think it's fascinating that such a position exists. Um, yes. But but formerly a design ethicist at at Google, and one of the co-founders of a counter group called the Center for Humane Technology. He is he's one of these people who who actually was part of the Google system, who now is speaking out. I mean, he's, he's spoken in front of Congress. He has, he's obviously been a big part of this movie. And I'll tell you, when an insider like that starts, starts raising alarms, that makes a pastor, a dad like me, very, very nervous. I mean, you guys are digital natives. I grew up in a world without smartphones, without the Internet, um, I, I didn't own a computer until I was actually until I was in seminary. I, I, I used computers in college, but I didn't actually own one until I got to seminary. So I was I was 23 years old before I got my first computer. I didn't have a uh, an email or an internet address till probably two years after that. And so this is all new to me. I mean, I mean, I've joked with people, but it's, but it's true. My first cell phone came in a backpack. I mean, it was not, it was not something, it certainly was not smart. Um, and so this as a, you know, as a dad, as a pastor, this is a crazy new world. And so I see a movie like the social dilemma and I, I feel like going around collecting every silicon-based instrument in my house and burning it in a bonfire. I mean, yeah. I, I've just bec- yeah. I have a caveman-like reaction to it. Um, so, so Alex Solorio, how how big is social media influence? I mean, it, 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 it am, am I scared for nothing? Is this a big deal? 
or or you know where should i how should i worry about or not worry about this yeah that's a great question um what's interesting is that again i'm i'm reminded that as these listeners are listening and as we're talking right now we're on the no fear podcast right <laughs> that's right i think i think as we are approaching this film as we approach these dilemmas and these instant these instances and situations uh, that are transpiring right before us, um, that again, like I don't mean to sound like uh, super Christian uh, right now, but the this truth is, is a Christian podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's super okay Christian podcast. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. But um, I, I think just being real and, and authentic, as if, if we're believers and we truly believe that our God is faithful, that He's sovereign over all things, uh, and that He leads, that He guides, and He protects. You know, that's the reason why I say those things in our prayers. Um, that even in the midst of this situation, like this situation, though it may be uh, overwhelming, because it is overwhelming, right? It is overwhelming to know that our social media platforms, places where we would think of like, I'm going here for a release, or I'm going here to catch up, I'm here to reconnect with family members that I haven't seen in forever, I'm, I'm reconnecting with a lost connection from high school or something like that, I'm getting to know what other people are doing across the world, even though I can't be there, right? And that relates to me as my sister lives in Thailand. Today, I got pictures of, of my niece, right? And, you know, I can't be in Thailand, but thanks be to God, she can send me a video really, really quickly and using one of these social media platforms. And so though these uh, though these concerns might be grand, again, it, it, it should not surprise us that, again, that the enemy will continue to do what he's always done. He is so typical. Mm. Like nothing, like it is, a, it is a surprise to us as we sit back like, man, that's a new way he's manipulating. Man, that's a new way he's discouraging. Man, that's a new way that he's um, he's continuing to spread his lies. But his character has been the same. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. And a couple sermons ago, uh, a couple weeks ago, Bob, you gave this saying, and I'm telling you right now, it resonated with my family that listened to it. It resonated with our college students that listened to it. Uh, and you had said, just when the enemy is whispering his lies about the things you've done in your past and the actions you've committed, you can quickly whisper back and remind him where he's going. Yeah. Like he might remind you of your past, but you need to remind him of his future because the victory has already been found mm -hmm. in the cross. Now, why is this a big deal, and how does my faith or what, what I think or my opinion relate to, relate to the big deal of this social media situation? Um, I think it's deeply concerning only because um, I, I used to know this quote. Uh, it says, um, everything is good in moderation. Right now, everything is a loose term. I think there needs to be a little bit more discernment and wisdom in the term of everything. But moderation and responsibility is a big portion of this. And that's exactly what they talked about in the movie, mm -hmm. about how they were specifically trying to find ways. There's a reason why when you watch Netflix or you watch YouTube or a, a Facebook video, right when the video is over, you don't have to touch anything. A next video is already starting for you. They've already set it up. Right. And if we sit here and again and, and all the listeners, right, you, uh, whether you're you're well seasoned, whether if you're a student, whether if you're a first time parent or uh, an established family, you've gone through and you've seen experiences. The truth is this. There is nothing more valuable than you have than your time, because mm -hmm. time is something mm -hmm. you will never get back. That's right. And how you use that time reflects how you act as a person. So Alex Clary is absolutely right. Him and I, he might, we might have similar 
uh, like agreements as far as like theological perspective. We might both be reformed, might like a lot of the same art uh, authors. We might like a lot of the same thing. Like right now, we, we we like comic books, so we had a time where we can talk about comic books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We might look very very similar, but our clickings and the things that we view do manipulate and and move us and shake us, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is that if I spend my time always on these things that are distracting me. Well, then it's no wonder, again, it also went into the video, why we're so polarized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, we talked about this again another week, a couple weeks ago, about these idols that we have in our lives. And the truth is this, social media has become the golden calf. Right, right. It is so interesting. You just literally saw waters part. And your first idea, while your leader has gone up to be with the Lord, to give you fundamental rules and laws, you think... But this golden calf, though, <laughs> this golden calf is something I can see and I can touch. Alex talked about a uh, never-ending scroll. Did you also know that they they said it in the video, which, again, I encourage you listeners, watch this video. But it talked about how, they, you know, when you're looking at your page, you can hit refresh or you can swipe down to refresh the page. They said they enjoyed making that pull down and the refreshing cuz it's it's the same kind of dopamine effect that right. happens at slot machines. Yeah. <laughs> slot machines. Yeah. I take 10 seconds. Yeah. Now think about who's sitting at that slot machine. 15-year-olds? Yeah. 16-year-olds? Middle schoolers? High schoolers? You would never they couldn't even get into a casino. Mm. But you know what? They have so many traits already about it. That's right. And they have so many opinions about it. This is important. You're right. We are listening to No Fear Podcast, and there's no fear in Christ Jesus, right? There's no fear in knowing him as Savior and Lord. But there are things that we need to be attentive to, and social media is one of those big things. Yeah. We, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up right when I think social media was really establishing itself in the grips of our culture, and I always heard adults and my parents talk about you know you need to get off that phone and it's gonna rot your brain one day and oh that's just mom and dad talking but now that I've transitioned into adulthood and now that I'm in a role where I'm responsible for other students and young children and it's just amazing at how impactful it is amongst teenagers and amongst young adults I thought the, the part of the documentary that moved me the most was at the very end. It was right before the credits roll. I can't remember. Which, it was one of these previous executives or previous engineers says, it's not a coincidence that almost every worker in Silicon Valley that works at one of these big companies, they don't allow their students to have social media. That's right. Yeah. They don't allow their families to have social media. One guy said, I won't even think about giving my kid access to social media until at least high school. And he, and he, um, he kind of hinted at the uh, idea that there should be an age limit on these things. That because earlier in the documentary, it talks about the trends of suicide among oh preteen goodness. girls. Yes, that line graph it shoots up exponentially, exponentially the same year that social media is accessible on cell phone devices. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking. Let me let me I'm going to throw out a few quotes and I want y'all to kind of comment on these just mm-hmm. kind of as we as we go through. Um a, a couple of quotes here that I am I'm, I'm cobbling these together. But one 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 executive said that you know, we all see 
wonderful things coming out of social media. Organ donors connected with organ yeah. transplant. Mm-hmm. People who need transplants. Families reconnected. I had a, I have a good friend from college who was reconnected with his long lost sister. She had been, they had been adopted by two different families and, and things like that. I mean, just really cool stuff like that happening. And so this guy said, said, you know, social media is, is, it is both a utopia and a dystopia, mm. meaning it can be either the beautiful, peaceful place or it can be destructive. Well, another person called it a digital Frankenstein, you know, something mm. that was started with so much great hope and so much great promise and yet has become something else. Um, let me let me go with what shows up at the very beginning of the movie. This is a quote that I wrote down. As, I started taking notes as soon as it came up. It says, uh, this is a quote by, by the Greek philosopher Sophocles, nothing vast enters the life of mortals without a curse. Mm. Nothing vast enters the life of mortals without a curse. React to any of those statements. Digital Frankenstein, utopia versus dystopia. Nothing vast enters the life of mortals without a curse. Yeah, I think one of my one thing that really showed the humanity of the people that were interviewed is the guy who created the like button. And for our listeners, I just want you to think about that. There was someone who sat down at their desk one day and said, I'm going to create a like button. He said one reason we created that was a positive. We created that with good intentions. Right. That the like button was made to support something you see or to like something or to follow something you see. And now it's being used and manipulated and it's causing preteen boys and girls self-esteem and self-image issues um because if they don't have as many likes as other people that's right then then they sort of stack up their pile of like chips yeah compared to other people it's yeah. fascinating if you went on instagram right now and you followed 20 to 30 kids at alamo heights middle school or high school what you'll see is they'll post a picture then on their Instagram story, and for some of us who might not be as familiar with Instagram stories, it's kind of like a highlight that you can put out in a 24-hour period. And they'll say, uh, go like and comment on my picture. Yeah. And so what they're doing is they're trying to direct people to their page. And if they don't get a certain number of likes or comments, they'll delete the post. They'll take it down. They'll take it mm-hmm. down. That's right. And, and it's all about, I need X amount of likes, or I need this many people following me because it's all tied into their self-esteem. It's all tied into, I won't be happy unless I get this number of likes or this amount of interaction. Man, again, I'm, I really, I'm, I'm really, it's, it makes it easy. I'm, I'm not trying hard. It makes it easy. <laughs> we are people that need affirmation. Right. We are people that know that we are valued but we keep looking to find value from an outside source that, again, mind you, again, this whole video, this whole movie continue to demonstrate how the social networks take. Takes, it takes, and it takes. Yeah, let, let me share. Yeah, go ahead. Finish that thought. Yeah, and I was just, again, like, you, you mentioned, Bob, like, our response. Like, when you brought up Frankenstein, right, the quote on Frankenstein, uh, again, in the in the narrative of Frankenstein, Frankenstein is not the monster. It's Dr. Frankenstein. That's right. Mm. Dr. Frankenstein thought he was creating something amazing. Then he found out he created a monster. You see, people, when they think Frankenstein, they think of the monster. No, Frankenstein is not the monster. Frankenstein was the doctor that created the monster. Now, again, just like you just talked about right now, 
the social media platform and wanting to connect digitally, I'm pretty sure came out of really great intentions. Mm -hmm. But you know what's interesting about mankind? You know, I, I really wish that there was a book that talked about when thing, good things happen or there are great things, there are good things, and then when man touches it, for some reason, it just gets like, torn to like pieces and it's like it's destroyed and things are just messed up like i wish there was like a narrative of like where there was a perfect place where there's you know <laughs> unity and relationship and you can eat of any fruit and then you know our own hands started touching of our spiritual fathers and then uh you, this you know it'd be awesome <laughs> is if you could just find one by just checking into a hotel that's right, right. You know, <laughs> just right. looking like seriously i mean it's, it doesn't make it hard to know that these kids are looking for purpose. Well, l listen to this. I mean, the, the thing, the 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 biblical story that really hit me while I was watching this last night was the Tower of Babel story. Oh man! And and Dude. this it really leapt to mind as you guys were talking about the the need for likes and the need for affirmation yes. and how that that dopamine effect. Yeah. And you know, right there in the story of the Tower of Babel, you know it. I'll just read these first few verses. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. I mean, again, people we hear that, it's like, oh, finally, there's no disunity. There's no strife. There's yeah. no tribalism. And as, a and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, mm. lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. The whole thing is about making a name for yourself. Mm. And God, specifically after the flood, sent Noah and his descendants out to make a name for him over all the earth, not right. to gather in one place and make a name for themselves. And yet social media has become the new Babel where we all gather to make a name for ourselves. Can I add to that? Please. Real quick, you just mentioned right there in the text, it talked about how they use bitumen pitch to make these bricks. Do you know what those tools were used for before this portion or later in, in, in Scripture? Was made for the ark. Mm-hmm. A tool that was made to bring about salvation along with all the wood and stuff like that would be later used for a yeah. different tool of their own manipulation. Mm. The best part about it was this in that narrative was that, again, this was people looking for their own likes, their own self-flattery ratification, and their own sense of manipulation towards things that were normally good. The best part of that story was that after that tower fell, the Lord was like, no, 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 no. Like, I make a name, and I choose those who are going to be mm. lifted up. The first person he finds is who? Abram. That's right. Yeah. I mean, dude, it, this is. I mean, this is so good. One of one of the biggest impressions that was shared with me when I started kind of this journey of looking at social media through a more critical and discerning eye is along the same lines of the Tower of Babel. Let us make a name for ourselves, and this is the biggest contributor to how social media uh, negatively impacts self-esteem and self-image amongst teenagers and preteens is I see someone's Instagram page and I only see highlights. Mm. So if I'm a 14 year old boy, I'm going to post about making the football team. I'm going to post about the fun family family vacation. We took to big bend over spring break. I'm going to post about the big Thanksgiving meal we had, 
But what you're not going to see is you're not going to see the argument I got into with my sister last night. That's right. You're not going to see the abandonment I feel by my father because he's never home. Right. You're not going to see my struggle with my body as I'm going through puberty and adolescence. And so what happens is people make name for themselves on social media and they have this social media presence in this profile that I only see your highlights. Right. I'm only seeing this person's page that shows how awesome and how busy and how fun and how many friends they have and all the fun things they get to do. And then I look at my negative and I see my mess and I see my dirt and I think, well, if that's how I'm supposed to be like this person's Instagram page, then something's wrong with me. Yeah, I've heard it put this way that like I only see your highlight reel. And I only see my blooper reel. Mm -hmm. Wow! And 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 yeah, I mean that's exactly. I mean, and that's powerful. Let let me throw out a couple more quotes here. Um, this is a question that that I raised: Are you using social media, or is it using you? Mm -hmm. And and I loved this quote. Uh, I can't. Wait, I wish I could remember who said it. Um, this is from the movie. There are only two industries that call their customers users. Illegal drugs and software. Ooh. Oh, man. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought that was tough. Tune That's in, a sermon. Tune yeah. in next week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but seriously, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, how, wow. it's not just that human sin is on display in a lot of ways with, with social media. It is also that these companies are actually manipulating people um another great quote uh was was when tristan harris said said you know we don't believe necessarily that that technology will overpower human strength he says but when will it overpower human weakness mm. yeah and that is mind-blowing it's like yeah a human being if he knows the facts has the potential to resist that but when it's manipulative and it preys on our vulnerabilities and our weakness, then it is hitting us at the hardest, worst yeah. points yeah. in our lives. Yeah, that's right. And we don't so, need to worry about robots coming to overpower us and dominate us. Yeah. We need to worry about these algorithms and these companies seeing our weaknesses where we need affirmation, that's right. where we need to make names for ourselves, where we want to be in the loop on things. And that's where they hit us because when we're vulnerable, that means our emotions are attached to it, and we can be taken advantage of. Gentlemen, thank you for another great conversation. Obviously, we are far from finished discussing this topic, and that's why this is going to be a special two-part edition of the No Fear podcast. That's right. Look for a quickly upcoming episode to follow up on this one to continue our discussion of the social dilemma. During this crisis, take heart. The Lord is real. God loves you. He has the power to make a difference in your life. He has a plan and purpose for you. He has a position for you on his team and a place for you at his table.